Just quickly before we get started, if you don't have time to review your own construction contracts that you're about to sign, or you don't have the expertise, obviously you're an expert in other area, maybe not in contracts, please go to quantumcontractsolutions.com, book in a call with our team, and we will show you how we can help you sign a better contract that has way less risk and ultimately set you up to make more profit on your construction contracts and stay in business over the long term. Go to quantumcontractsolutions.com and we'll see you there. Hey, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kian Brennan. I'm the CEO of Quantum Contract Solutions. And the reason we make these videos is there's tons and tons and tons of construction subcontractors out there that are getting shafted contractually, going out of business. Construction's got the highest insolvency rate of any sector. And ultimately, we don't want you to be one of them. So if you watch this channel, watch these videos, you get any sort of value, please like and subscribe so we can help more and more construction subcontractors across the world stay in business. Welcome to Construction Insiders. So I just got off a call with a client. He's a scaffolder. They're working on an oil and gas project in Western Australia. Tons and tons of scaffolding. So I think the way they have their contract set up is that they get paid for all the scaffolding. They supplied all the scaffolding. They get paid to put it up. They get paid to take it down. And every day, you know, the, the project manager or the supervisor says, hey, we need you to build scaffold over there. We need you to build scaffold over there. And they just manage everything, all maintenance of the scaffolding. It's a lot of work. Um, and given the scale on, of these oil and gas projects, it's, you know, it's huge. We're talking millions and millions of dollars in, in, in contract value. So, you know, they start during the construction phase. Um, of their projects so they're building all the trains they're building um, all the office buildings and tanks um, all of that sort of stuff and as the project goes on comes to completion obviously then there's maintenance of everything so if they can get the maintenance contracts again at three or four years of construction and then you get a maintenance contract which can go on for 5 10 15 20 years depending on how good they are and, and all of that sort of stuff so there's some huge scaffolding companies out there um, and they all do you know really really well from this sort of activity and so the discussion went on what has happened is that the head contractor, the contractor that had employed them, they weren't employed by the, the principal, so the oil and gas company themselves. They were employed by the main contractor. Rumor has it, okay, the main contractor had gone into liquidation. And so um, a lot of times when you're in these sort of situations, you know, you're owed quite a bit of money and the reality of how it actually pans out in real life. So everyone, you know, a lot of people just keep working and go, yeah, it'll all be looked after and in the oil and gas company or whoever is on top will make sure that we get paid. And unfortunately, that isn't the actual truth of the matter, right? So you don't have a contract with the oil and gas company. If it's, you know, if you're building a skyscraper or if you're building a bridge or whatever, you don't have a contract with the principal. You have a contract with the main contractor. So he only cares to get the project completed. Now, maybe he has to engage you to get that done, but he doesn't necessarily care about the debts of the main contractor because your contract is directly with the main contractor. So the actual reality of these situations is it's a race to see who loses the least amount of money. Now, we've seen this past previously with, with actually another scaffolding company. So I feel like in that business, for whatever reason, there, there seems to be a lot of insolvencies. But what tends to happen when a company goes into, it goes into liquidation, you know, a band of PwC, Ernest & Young guys come in and they take over that company. They look at the debts and look at everything and they issue everyone a letter saying, we're looking at the debts. We're 
looking at how much how much people are owed and it'll all be dealt with in, in due course, which could mean anything, right? So if you're a small company and you're holding a lot of, you know, got a lot of debt now at this stage, or maybe the cash flow isn't very high, this this can be potentially ruining, you know, for your company. So it's something that you, you have to keep in mind that when this happens, it's really it's bad news, right? It doesn't mean you're gonna get paid and ultimately there's a lot of different things that can happen. And so what happened to the the, the company in the past was that they didn't really do anything. They kept working away because their contract told them to, they had to keep working away. And ultimately uh, it didn't go well for them. They didn't get their money and they ended up leaving the job, getting a massive loss on that project. Fortunately, they were big enough to be able to handle that loss, which was which obviously is, is a good thing. But obviously that's not that's not really what we want from, from a project. So there's a couple of different things that you can do when you're in a position like that, because in the construction industry, we know it is the industry that has the most insolvencies of any industry. You have to be ready for that particular thing to happen. So like this uh, scaffolding company that we had a discussion, so how are we going to approach this going forward? So we're going to eventually get a letter from these liquidators to say that, you know, uh, uh, here's here's what's happening and we're going to review the situation and what they're actually, and what I want you guys to think about is when this happens, it is this squeaky wheel that gets the oil, okay? So it means the loudest person is going to get paid, right? So if you're on their side and you're looking in and you see, you know, all of these different invoices that need to be paid, if there's one guy that is sending in contractual letters saying you're not compliant with, with the contract for not paying, just you essentially want to ignore these liquidators. Your contract is still with the main contract. So you want to put in as many of these notices as you can, notices or whatever your contract says, you obviously have to comply. So a notice of default, you've got to say notice of dispute, a contractual letter stating that you want to be paid. If you have um, kind of a, depends if you're, you know, if you're in the States or if you're, if you're in Australia or wherever you happen to be, there's always a kind of a, uh, some sort of legislation which you can go down the route to get paid quickly. That could be an adjudication, it could be a mediation or whatever it is. You want to start progressing those things so that when the person their side is reviewing all the information, he's say he's looking at, okay, we got to pay 15, 20 contractors and there's, there's, there's this guy here who's owed 50 or 100 grand and there's not a peep out of him and there's you who are owed 50 or 100 or 300 grand and you have all this paperwork behind you and you're progressing things on the side they go right we need to sort that guy out first because otherwise you know he's, he's going to cause us a lot of tr- trouble so the squeaky wheel always gets the oil so when you get that letter from them saying you know We've, we've come in and that's, this is the situation that don't just sit back and uh, on your laurels and because you, you're buying into their process. You're buying into their process of essentially, here's how we're doing the liquidation thing and you have to buy into it. You don't, you don't have to do that. You can go, right, well, I'm still complying with the contract and they haven't paid me, so they've defaulted on the contract. So I'm just going to proceed as if that's the case and you can do your thing and I'll proceed according to the contract, which is essentially legislation as well. So that's 100%. You got to keep your ducks in a row and you got to progress things contractually on your side. So always keep that in mind. Now, with this contractor, they were lucky in so far as we had negotiated at the front end as what is called a reciprocal termination clause. Now, reciprocal termination clause is very important in, the con- in, in, in any contract. So if you're ever looking at your own contract, make sure you have a reciprocal termination clause. Now, the reason you need to have that in there is because a lot of contracts these days are are obviously from the main contractor to you, to you guys is going to be pushing the risk onto you. And one of the ways to push the risk onto you is to have all of these different ways that they can terminate you. So they can terminate you for convenience, which just basically we want to terminate you because whatever, for their own convenience. Okay, so maybe they found someone cheaper or a better way to do it or, or something like that. 
Hey, so we'll get back to the pod in two seconds. And so if you're getting some value from this or you're enjoying it and you think there's other people in the construction industry that would also, please just use your thumb, share it with them on WhatsApp or whatever way that you share these type of things, Facebook, whatever it happens to be. It makes a huge difference to the podcast. It allows us to grow and impact more people. And we would really, really appreciate it. Thanks. I don't want to go out on a tangent too much. If you're a type of company that can be replaced quite easily, um, so maybe a scaffolding company is a good example. Looking at the termination for convenience clause is something maybe you should do because if they can just get someone else just undercuts your price and they can bring this guy in to replace you quite easily. Whereas if you're in, you know, structural steel or something where it's really hard to replace you or or even civil's work, sometimes you start digging stuff and then, you know, it's 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 quite difficult to replace you, then, then you're okay. It's not that big of a risk to you. Scaffolding, termination for convenience is a bit of a risk but anyway i've i've gone off topic slightly so with the termination they can terminate you for convenience and they can terminate you for default now default is you not complying with the contract so that's the that's the big one right you haven't done your job you haven't done what you said you do you've bad you've done a rubbish job whatever it happens to be they can they can terminate you and that's obviously the big one they're terminating you for default i'm sure if you've been in the construction industry long enough i'm sure someone's threatened you at that at some stage now some contracts do is they don't give you a term you you cannot terminate for default. So if you look in your contract and there's you look at the termination clause and if you can't terminate them for default, then you've got a problem, right? And this is where a lot of these companies have a problem. Like that previous scaffolding company, they couldn't stop working because they didn't have a termination for default in their contract. Now, what that really means, what we're talking about here is if they don't pay you, Okay, that's obviously they've not complied with the contract, so they're enti- they should pay you. But say they haven't paid you, you can't terminate them for default because you're, you you don't have a mechanism in your contract. So you potentially could get yourself in a situation where you are undertaking the work, you're doing the work, and they haven't paid you, and then you have to continue to do the work and kind of battle this thing on on the side. But from your own cash flow point of view, you haven't been paid, so now you're having to essentially finance the project on their behalf because you haven't been paid. And if you get in a situation where liquidators come in, you, you have to keep working and then you're also thinking to yourself i might never get paid for this right so that's a terrible situation to be in so we're lucky in the fact that the client i just got off a call with now they're in that situation but we managed to negotiate that reciprocal termination clause so we can actually terminate the contract if we haven't been paid we can terminate the contract and say you haven't paid us we're off and so what that does it it minimizes the downside it means that you're not taking on all this all we're trying to do is what we've done to date but we've actually left the job now and obviously with every contract you sign this this is the escape hatch you need to be able to get out of the contract. You know, you can't just get out of any contract for any reason whatsoever. But if they don't pay you, that is a good reason to get out of the contract. And that is essentially how you want to manage these issues. So if you're ever in a situation where your head contractor, there's rumors of liquidation or they are in liquidation or whatever happens, there's two things you want to do. Or there's a couple of things you want to do. One is you want to stop spending money. Okay. So if you can even doing extra work or whatever, and maybe it might be that you might think of, okay, well, I start reducing my overheads here in the best way possible I can without not complying with the contract. So I'll start taking a few people offside, start taking a bit of equipment offside and whatever it is that you need to do to take your overheads down, that might be an option. As long as you're still complying, as long as you're still undertaking the work, you're not going over and above that. I'm sure you normally are. So that's one. You got to make sure in the front end that you've negotiated a termination for convenience clause so you can get out if they haven't paid you. So you're, you're out. And then once this has happened and you haven't been paid, remember that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Okay. 
Okay, so you got to be sending in letters, you got to be sending in notice, like you want to kill them with paperwork, essentially. Now, when you do that, people are like, I don't want to be contractual, you know, the, the PM is going to, you know, is uh, have a good relationship with him. It's the contract says that you need to do this if those things happen. So by not doing the things, you're just shooting yourself in the foot, right? So you can say to the PM, hey, look, if you want to change the contract, say I don't have to do these things, I'd love to because they're an absolute pain in the proverbial, right? So, but unless, until you do that, I have to do it. We've got a function that we need to comply with the contract. My insurance always, it's a good one to always blame the insurance company. My insurance companies require that we do these things to keep our premiums low and to be compliant with our insurance. So blame the insurance company, blame whatever happens here. So I have to do this. So you submit these documents. So every time you submit the documents, you're building a case and you got to think to yourself, right, I'm building a case so that if this goes out of the contract and we have to go to court, I've got all this paperwork that I can point to. This happened, this happened, this happened. You can see we've clearly been delayed. You can see that they haven't paid us. And then that's how you resolve the situation. You want the liquidators or whoever it is on their side of the fence to go, oh, you know, we we have no chance with these guys because they're they've got so much paperwork in. They're looking like they're proceeding, you know, outside of the contract. As, as, as well. So we need to pay those guys. They're the guys we need to pay first. That's what you want from the situation. And also remember from an objective point of view, what your goal is, right? So your goal is always going to be to lose as little money as possible. That's the reality. Because in these situations, as well as a dispute, and I'll talk about that in a different different podcast, when you have a dispute and when you're in these situations, it's a race to see who loses the least amount of money. So that's something to remember. It's probably not going to come back out on an even par, but you're not going to lose a lot of money if you take um, take these steps. So take this information away, do it as you will. Uh, we have a free contracts training that you can go to if you go to go.quantumcontractsolutions.com forward slash advantage. And there's a free training where we walk you through exactly what you need to do. In this particular instance, it covers the termination for the reciprocal termination clause. So really important that you, you, you go and have a look at that if you don't understand exactly how to do it. We also give you a one pager with you know all the key things that you need to negotiate in your contract. So go to go.quantumcontractsolutions.com solutions.com forward slash advantage. Check it out, register, check it out. It's a training. It'll walk you through absolutely everything straight to the point, easy to watch, uh, easy to implement. And that's it for today. Take it easy and I'll chat to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, so as always, you can implement any of these things yourself. If you need help from us to help you implement these and uh, reduce your contractual risk, just click the link below and we're happy to help.